They drove in over the river and through the woods. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. I want to share with, with you something that's going on uh, just personally with me uh, concerning a man that's come into my life a couple of weeks ago or so. Uh, uh, it's pretty supernatural. My neighbor that uh, was uh, a year or so ago, they got healed of stage four pancreatic cancer. He, uh, he uh, went to a family reunion and someone there met another man there that was in stage four bone cancer. And he said, well, you ought to talk to Felix. Well, Felix was kin somehow. And so we called him and said, what's up? And he said, well, Jesus did this for me. And, uh, and my neighbor, Michael Billings, was the one that came over and prayed for me. You ought to call him. They hung up and Felix called me and said, you call him. And so, and so I did. And uh, he uh, come to find out he's a, he's an elder or a, he's somebody big in a church in Huntsville, and they let him do everything. They he's number two man in the church, but uh, he's stage four. He's he went into hospice this uh, this last weekend or last week. So it's you know when you go to hospice medically, they're done with you. They're not they're not giving you anything to help you. They're just easing you. But he's teachable, and he told me this week, he said, uh, he said, uh, and I, I took this totally as a compliment, he said, you're one of the nicest white men I ever did talk to, <laughs> and I said, don't go there, and he said, no, I'm serious, you just don't know all the white men I've known, and you, 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 you stick out, so I really didn't know what to do with it, but I, I, it was good, it was all good, but I just started talking to him, and then I went to see him a couple of times. And talking to him straight, listen, when somebody's stage four, you don't have a lot of runway to get this ship up. You need a booster, and if you're ever going to save anything back, you need to you need to put it, strap it on, and take off. So I just hit him with everything the kingdom had, and if he and if he, and if he hooks, if he attaches well, if he doesn't, that's where it was going to go anyway. Well, he had plenty of bad confessions, plenty of bad thinking. Y'all remember how we used to, all used to be. And I just would say things and teach things and, and stuff and confront, just confront. He'd, he, he, he would start talking to me. Well, you know, the Word says this, and I, God does this. And I would confront him, and I'd say, well, uh, Brother Pat, that's not true. And I'd explain it to him. And his jaw would just come down, duh, you know. And he told me the other night, he said, I've never been accosted by anybody in the word and he said you are highly offensive <laughs> to my background and my thinking and the way I am but he said every time we talk I get strong I'm feeling better and you're setting me free and we just talk about Jesus and I'm just telling you this not not really it has nothing to do with me but to say that this man, who lives, he lives over on, uh, across from Stillman, in his mother's house, you know, he just, everything is wrong for him recovering. He's, he, he's totally racked with this thing. But I'm telling you, the Lord's doing something. And it's, it's already a miracle, but who knows how it's going to turn out. But I told him he ought to go to heaven healed. 
he ought to depart on his terms. Well, he's never heard anything like that. And I told him yesterday, I said, uh, if they start making plans around you, and I said, you know, what I, you know what I mean, Pat? He said, no. I said, plans. Like they look at you and say, we need to make plans. He said, oh, those plans. I say, faith would shut that down. And so it's like, oh, yeah. So, uh, y'all, this is what we're all supposed to be doing, is finding somebody like John G. Lake did. He sent his 16 technicians out that he had trained. And he told them when they first started out, Here's the name. Here's Ellie Lou. She lives down on 4th Street. She's bad. Don't come back until she's healed. And he said some people came back that day. Some people came back the next week. Some people came back in three weeks. Some people never came back. But it was changing. And this is who we are. We're not church people, although we come together to hear stories like this and to hear the, and to lift up our hands together because we need each other. This man's surrounded by religion, by family that's, you know, and we all are, and we need, we need help. If you would turn in your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter 1, I want to lift up a Lord Jesus this morning that is more than enough, that looked ahead to you and, for you and I, and he took care of business. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus that loves you with a greater love than you've ever expressed or has ever been received by you. An enduring love, a faithful love, a never-quit-on-you love. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus that's made total and absolute provision for you and that will never fail you. Though we be faithful, faithless, he is faithful. It says in verse 3 of Ephesians 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, say blessed me, has blessed me with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Why? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accept us. He has made us accepted in the beloved. In whom? In whom? In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and all prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. That in the, let's see, let's go on a little further. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, look, look, that he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Now look at verse 11 with me. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Praise God. 
Jesus is Lord. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus that's got the answer to every problem and every situation, that's got a plan for you when every plan seems to go the wrong way. He's got a path laid out for you. He's the author, the beginner, the, the cornerstone of your faith. And there is no end to his understanding and his wisdom. His availability is unstoppable and limitless. I just want to lift up the Lord Jesus. Isn't he wonderful this morning? We praise you, Lord. We give you thanks for your goodness and your mercy and your long-suffering with us, your people. Lord, that, that seem to always betray you, but that you always bring us back. We give you thanks this morning for your goodness being revealed even as we break the word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to minister to you this morning about the promise keeper. God is a promise keeper. He's so many things, but he is, if he's anything, he's a promise keeper. And I want to start this morning by looking in a scripture that you hadn't looked at in a while, in 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 6, if you would. I want to lift up the promise keeper. The God that cannot lie, cannot lie, cannot lie. And that keeps his hallmark of his reputation is that he keeps his word. In 2 Kings chapter 6, this morning I want to minister to you about the protection of the Lord. The deliverance of God in your life and that how we can live a fearless life. Though 10,000 be around us, it will not come near me. It says in 2 Kings chapter 6, look in verse 12 with me, a, 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 a really cool story, one of my favorite. One of his servants said, um, well, this is a king, a king that's not godly. And uh, he, he turns to his servants in verse 11 and said, who is working for the enemy? And uh, verse 12, and one of his servants says, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dothan. So he took a little trip down in Alabama. Hallelujah. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city about with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Hallelujah. Have you ever said, what shall we do? We're surrounded by troubles. It's just there's no way out. It's obvious we have not planned well. Verse 16, he answered, said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Let's say it in first person to ourselves. Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. I want you to remember this morning, we have precedent, thousands of years old, where God is faithful before any man even called on him for help. Verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Praise his name. Praise God. 
Those horses of fire, those chariots of fire are around us right now. Hallelujah. And you just, you'd have to deny it and say, I'm going to, I'm going to go into trouble on purpose in order to get into some sort of situation. God has got you covered. I said, God's got you back. We are that people that have been delivered before we even came in trouble. God is taking care of us. Let's look in Matthew chapter 8. I have several scriptures for you this morning because there is no end to this subject. I'm telling you, God's faithfulness and his testimony of delivering people that have signed up with him is just limit, limitless. He's just always at the right place at the right time. Matthew chapter 8 verse 2 says, Behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying to the Lord Jesus, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. If thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately, say right then, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I want to minister to you this morning that the Lord is willing. He's willing to be there for you. The question is never if God can deliver me. Can God get me out of this? Is he big enough, smart enough, fast enough to uh, fix my situation? It's never been a problem if, with Christians whether God could. It's always whether God would. And I want to remind you that the blood of Jesus that cleansed you from all unrighteousness has set you on high today, and Jesus is willing to set you free. We've got to take it to him, but he's willing. So all, God, all Christians, all believers believe that God can, but that's of no consequence. You've got to know that he will, and you've got to know that he will before you even need him to, that he's the pre-planner and he's got you covered. We could look and say... Uh, uh, God, what's the key here? There's never any faith where the word if is used in our conversation with God. If you ever say if in a prayer, if it be thy will, if, if it please you, if, if God, if I hadn't been too bad, you always know you're on the downside of getting help. God expects us to go to him believing that he will. We have precedent in the word of God. We have the words of Jesus to comfort us. And so uh, the, the leper asked, Christians today are asking, oh God, will you deliver me? Will you help me? And then they have a little mantra that says, well, you never know what God's going to answer. Sometimes he'll answer yes. Sometimes he'll answer no. Sometimes he'll answer not now. That's a gimpy answer. And sometimes he doesn't answer at all. But you and I don't have to ask God if he's going to help us, deliver us, or set us free. We have it in his word that he will. And Jesus said, I am willing. I will. He loves us. He set this leper free. He will set you free. Another place it says in Mark chapter 9, if thou canst believe. Jesus said, if thou canst believe, what does it say? All things are possible. Say it with me. To him that believeth. So point to yourself with me this morning and say, believe. believe. All you got to do is believe God will. 
You can look in the Word to get yourself strong in that, to understand that, to get a precedent for that, to build a foundation for that. But once you get in the Bible and you find out God said, I am the God that cannot lie, I am the God that keeps my word, and I will, then you have to say, He will. I said, He will. Amen. In Numbers chapter 23, let me just read it to you. It's a little, uh, 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 verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. Boy, that tells you something about men, doesn't it? <laughs> God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent or change. Hath he said, look, look, and shall he not do it? He says of himself, if I've said it, I am good for it. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus that keeps his word this morning. And if he said it, he will do it. Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? All I have to do is not figure out if God will or won't. I just have to figure out what he said. If he said something, he's good for it. If his word declares, I'll do this for you, I'll take care of you, I'll deliver you, I'll make a way where there seems to be no way, you got to know, you got to say, you got to act like he's good for it. I said he's good for it. And the difference between a faithless people and a faith people is simply knowing that he will do what he says. That is the only difference. It's not theological. It's not historical. It's not archaeological. It is not any of these ritual and, and liturgical things. It's just knowing. Did God say it? Yep, here's the scripture. Here it is right here, John 10, 10. Here it is right, right here, uh, Acts uh, 10, 28. He said it. Then he's good for it. He'll do it. Let's believe. Let's act like he'll do it. Let's proceed. One thing I know about faith is that faith knows. Whatever faith is, faith knows. Faith knows, and because faith knows, because faith knows, faith knows God's word, that he's good for it, because faith knows, faith makes plans. If you already know what God's good for it, you can make plans based on what he said before things line up to what he said. When you're faithless, you're waiting for something to happen because you don't know what God's going to do. Well, he might, yes, he might not, no, or he might someday, not now. That's, there's no faith in that. Faith says, I know, therefore I make plans based on the word of God. Uh, I want to remind you what we always say, God's a better giver than we are receivers, and he's a better promiser than we've been believers. You'll never out-believe God. I said, he'll do more than you can ask or think. Exceeding abundantly above. He's good for it. Now, do you just feel this morning, do you feel yourself being strengthened inside? Just these words from the word of God strengthen you. And, and although we don't go by feelings, you can feel that. This man I've been ministering to, he said, after we had a session, he said, I feel strong. I feel like, even though they've said this and declared that, that that's not going to be my end. You can feel the strength of the Word of God and the truth. Jesus said, if you'll know the truth, the truth that you know will 
set you free. And everybody, if there is anything in your life, you want to be set free. Amen. And so I want to talk this morning just for a moment. What we said last week is that truth is absolute. And how people, mere men, unrenewed minds, faithless people, are genuine, generally rebellious against this truth. They do not like absolutes. Right now we have turmoil in our government in the United States. You go, well, why is it? Well, it's the left, it's the right, it's the politics, it's, the, it's his hair, it's, it's, you know, it's all these things. I want to tell you the truth about why there's turmoil is because men don't like absolutes. There's laws on the book, and people disregard the laws. It's the job of the executive branch to keep the law, to police the law. Congress makes the law. The courts interpret the law, but it's the executive branch that enforces the law. But they haven't been enforcing the law. And when you lose an absolute, when you lose the, the, the surety of anything like a law or the word of God, then there's instability. You don't know what to do because you don't know. Therefore, you can't make plans. Are you hearing me? Faith has a lot of different forms. And so America's in turmoil because we're in anarchy about keeping the laws. Well, there's a law in the books about this. Well, we don't care. We want to do what we feel like or what seems right in our own eyes. And America's at a turning point because of that. But we, if we're going to have any influence of any power, any, any authority, if we have anything, we have to know that the word is true, that it's an absolute it's not negotiable. It, there's no exceptions to it. There's no conditions that make it different. It is the cornerstone. It is the standard. It is the rock that we have to build everything upon. Feelings in the list of things that we depend on have to be at the end of the line. Point to yourself and say, feelings, feelings. Go, back. go back, go way back. We don't, we're not a people that live by feelings. Feelings will line up to truth and obedience, but we do not let them help us make a decision ever. When you let feelings make a decision, you've made a wrong decision. When you make a decision based on truth, victory is in your sights. It will happen because truth never fails, and it is the truth. Uh, I want to remind you that God's faithfulness to keep all of his word is absolute. Not only is his word absolute, but his faithfulness to keep his word in all circumstances, no matter how impossible it seems, no matter how contrary to physical laws it presents itself, he will keep his word. They're called miracles. But they're just when El Shaddai comes in and takes over and works in a realm higher than the physical natural laws and works it and imprints it upon the natural realm and causes heaven to come into earth in order to keep his word. We have miracles. We can expect miracles when the impossible is made possible because of the word of God. Stage four cancer seems impossible, but the word is true. 
And the word is greater than facts. Facts is a natural worldly term based on science, experience, on things like that. But the truth is an absolute. It is God's realm imprinted on the natural realm. So um, remember in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and what? The truth and the life. So Jesus said, I am the truth. And in Hebrews 13, 8, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, the same. So we'd say if Jesus is the truth, we could put in truth right there, couldn't we? The truth, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if anything's ever been true from the Word of God, if God has ever healed multiple sclerosis, if He's ever eradicated a case of AIDS, then He'll do it for us because truth is the same in every situation and in every realm. Well, you know, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the things I've done and what I've said about this and what I've done about that. The blood of Jesus is greater than our past. I said he's bigger, and his mercy endures forever. We are the most unique of all people, and yet he's done it for the whole world. He so loved the world, he gave Jesus for the whole world, and this is available to all of them. I want to look this morning at some promises, because we've decided to live on the promises. Um, we didn't look at Second Peter, but I want to go there with, want you to go with me to Second Peter chapter 1. And we're going to look at some promises concerning our protection and our deliverance. We're going to let the promises do the work. Could have a little better amen right there as you're turning through the Bible. Second Peter chapter 1. This is, this is the basis of your life. This is, this is the Christian experience. If you are a Christian, you're a born-again, regenerated child of God. This is the rules of the family. Every family has their own rules. You have general rules that we all, you know, that you park in the driveway or whatever you do. And then you have peculiar or specific rules to your family. But these are the rules of the family of God. And this rule is in verse 4. It says, whereby, so we'd have to go into verse 3 to find out, but we won't. Whereby are given unto us, look, look, exceeding great and precious. Now, those are some magnificent adjectives. So there's a great weight or importance on it. What is it that's exceeding great and precious? He says promises, that by these promises we might be partakers. The word there for partakers is partners. That we might be partners of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So now that we're born again, we're all going to heaven, and that's where most Christians concentrate and say, yeah, I got born again to go to heaven. Well, I got born again, so I don't want to go to hell. But the truth is there's quite a bit of time between when you got born again and between making that final exit. I'm hoping anyway. I'm believing. And so what are you going to do on this life? 
the exceeding great and precious promises, they'll do the work. When the Bible tells us to have a, a life of no stress, to be easy, to not think about what you'll wear, where you live, what you'll eat. How can we do that? How can we do that? Lord, I'm trying so hard. I'm working so hard not to be stressed out. And Lord, trying so hard is stressing me out. I am just lathered up trying to live at rest and not be just pulled from one place to the other. Well, that's because it's you that's doing it. It's because in your own strength, in your own will, in your own planning, in your own your own defensing. Well, we gotta we gotta defend this and we gotta prepare for that. But the promises say they'll do the work. I said the promises will live life for you so you can ride above this life. Remember in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said this. Being a Christian didn't exempt us from troubles. The Lord Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. Big surprise to some people. I'm going to be a Christian, so I don't have any troubles. But then he said, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. The fact, then the truth. I have overcome the world. I've put a system in place that if you'll ride up in that system, you'll ride above the world's troubles and tribulations. The world is going through old Billy, always has, and they will. But we don't have to be in this world system, and old Billy doesn't have to get on us. Y'all know what I mean, old Billy. All the entanglements of this world, so that we don't live the life of a sinner or an unbeliever. Amen. I want to start this morning with the promises because the promises will do the work. They'll preserve you and they'll keep you. You can take your mind off troubles. Uh, I couldn't find it this morning, but I've read testimonies of people that were in a car and they were uh, there's a head-on collision that's just 1.3 seconds away. Someone's coming over in their lane, a truck or a boulder's coming out, you know, and all they had time to say was Jesus. And you've heard these stories where people say they just closed their eyes and when they opened them, they were on the other side of the car, just tooling down the road. And it's impossible that they didn't die or change their life. You don't have to fear. We say, and you do too, that when we go up in a jet or an airplane, those are the most blessed people in the world because that plane is going to go where... It's supposed to safely because you're on it. <laughs> and all these other people are thinking, oh, what's going to happen if it? it's okay? I'm here. I'm on it. Unless you jump out the door, all is well. You got to have that kind of authority and that kind of, of understanding because the promises are working for you. He upholds you with the word. You're riding on the word. Peter didn't get out of the boat and step and walk on the water, he walked on the word that said, come. There was an ability in that word that superseded natural, physical properties of his weight displacing the water and him sinking. The word carried him forth, and the word will carry you and I forth. In Psalm chapter 23, let's just look there. Let's, we, won't, we won't go through every one of them, but uh, I'll read some. Let's just refresh ourselves in the promises this morning. There's some good ones in the Old Testament. You know that. Psalm 23, 4. 
You'd like for me to read the whole psalm, but I'm just going to read verse 4. We're going to read it together. Verse 4. Ready, read. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou, thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now we know the rod and the staff mean the word and the spirit. Those are things that we could study out, but that's what they mean. Uh, walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The word there for valley of shadow is a word that means grave. And that's what he's saying here is uh, uh, for death. And so, when we look at John chapter 16, where it says, in the world you'll have tribulation, and then transfer that over to this, to the valley of shadow of death, you could say, though I am surrounded daily with the valley of shadow of death, tribulation, thou art with me, and I will be delivered. Now, I want to tell you, I'm going to prove to you this morning from the Word, but you already know this. It's not a matter of information here at River Church. It's a matter of just believing in the absolute. We all are well aware that the Word says that we're delivered. We're going to read Psalm 91, and that, that absolutely covers every base. You got trouble out there? Psalm 91 is your, is your way out. We know that, but it's a matter of attaching an absolute I know that I know that I'm going to live my life till I depart. Jesus said, they can't kill me. I lay my life down myself. They can't take me. Well, you ought to have that same attitude. This world can't take me out. Well, you look around, lots of people are being taken out, a lot of Christians. But that's not me. They didn't believe in the fullness of the truth of God's word, that he will keep his word. He's a promise keeper. But I can do that. You ought to put that on today. We put it on about finances last week. Boom, I'm funded. The word says in Psalm 112, can you slip over a few pages with me? I will fear no evil. Though I walk through tribulation, I will fear no evil. The word for evil there is distress. It's uh, grief. It's harm. It's hurt. It's affliction. I will fear no evil. Have you ridden in the car with some people before they're driving and your eyes were tempted to get big? Colin drives like a fire truck driver, like an ambulance driver. Let me just get on the record there that says, I've had big eyes riding with him before and never said a word. Yes, son, great. Yeah. What makes you not say, stop this thing and let me drive? It's because the valley of the shadow of death <laughs> is somebody else's trouble. It's not mine. I have a total confidence that the Lord will fix my mistakes and the recklessness and the in, and the the, uh, the the whatever of other drivers. I do. I just I have a confidence. And if you believe that about an airplane, you can believe about it in a in a car. I had it when I had a motorcycle. My mother just about lost it, you know. When I had a motorcycle, she's just like, ah, oh, this is crazy. But when I'm on that bike, 
There's a path he clears before me. Now, there, you don't want to tempt Christ. Well, I'm going to jump off. I'm going to base jump off of the Empire State Building or whatever. That's tempting Christ. We won't talk about that. What does it say in Psalm 112, verse 7? Oh, this, this psalm is so awesome. Talking about the good man. Verse 7, let's read it together. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. The Lord delivers, but don't be afraid. Even if you didn't believe in the promises that of deliverance, if you believed you were a Christian that was going to heaven, the worst thing that could happen to you is that you just be up in heaven. Just show up. And let me tell you, remind you, there's nothing negative about being in heaven. You might should have lived longer and done more and accomplished your course, but the bottom line is being in heaven is okay. Praise God. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon, no weapon that is formed against you, what does it say? Shall prosper. The word prosper means be enabled or to be effective. No weapon. It may, it may be formed. It will be formed. There's weapons being formed against every president that takes office. There was enemies against President Obama that wanted him down. There was teams of assass assassination conspirators, and there's all, all sorts of things. Weapons formed against him. There's already been all sorts of mess against this president. We, we are a nation that is uh, playing with things that are unbiblical and, uh, and anti-kingdom. But I'm telling you, we're surrounding our presidents and our governor with the word of God. They'll live for our sakes. Even if they don't believe, they'll live for our sakes. Amen. So no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now you got to stand on that family. You got to know the devil is thinking. He's a 24 hour devil and he's got the word says there's billions upon hundreds of billions of angels that were created, and about a third of them broke rank. And they're working for old Slewfoot. And so you got to know there's trouble against you. The reason you're not in trouble all the time is because the Word is working. The very thing that makes you and I a target is the very thing that disarms the perpetrator, the weapon that's formed against us. If you're worth going after in the kingdom, then you've already got the stuff that will defend you in the kingdom. If you're a nobody, you're not going to have any trouble except colds and a little fender bender and a little barbecue fire that got over in the bushes and almost burned that corner of the house down. You're going to have that stuff. But if you're worth anything in the kingdom... The devil's going to see to it that you don't go unopposed. Amen. James 4, 7. Let's just put that on the screen. You know what that says? It says, uh, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. What does that mean? The word submit means to be in obedience, to come under, to serve another as a slave, as it were, to come under. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. What does that mean? It means 
that I believe his word is true. He said it was true. He told me that he gave me his word and that I should believe it. Submitting is doing what he says. Lord, I believe your word is true. I'll not rebel. Then it says, resist the devil. Resist the devil. Know who you are, know who he is, and say, this isn't even a fair match. There be more for me than there be against me. <laughs> this thing's fixed. This thing's fixed. And it is fixed. It's fixed on your side. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. What does it say next? And he will flee. The word flee in the Greek means to vanish. It means to vanish. People say, oh, I can't wait to go to heaven because there'll be no devil. Well, if you'll resist him, there'll be no devil down here. You'll have to use your faith down here, and you won't in heaven. But it's the same result. So we are devil free if we'll submit ourselves to God. Well, the way we submit ourselves to God is to believe the word. So our whole job is not to be out there wrangling with him. Our whole job is to be submitting to God and then in one word say, I resist you. Get out of my house. Get out of my money. Get out of my body. Get in the name of Jesus. What gives you that power? I've submitted myself to God. I am who he says I am and nothing different. I'm not an old sinner saved by grace. I'm not a worm. I'm not condemned. I am the redeemed of the Lord, and I say so. One more place, too, actually, in Ephesians chapter 6. You got time to go to Ephesians chapter 6? You know this. We've got to go to the New Testament just to, just to Scotia. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us the truth. The truth in verse 12 says, or excuse me, in verse, uh, where should we go? I think we should go somewhere in there. Verse 10 is what I've got down. Yeah, verse 10 would be good. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let's point to ourselves and say it. Be strong in the power of his might. How? Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, that ye may be able to stand. There's a standing. It just means, well, how are you standing? I'm just believing the word is true. That's how you stand. And then it says, for, here's the analysis, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. That's no problem. Jesus said that I'd give you power to tread upon scorpions and over all the power of the devil, didn't he? Whereupon take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And so it lists the armor of God there. Put it on. Put it on. Faith just puts it on. And our last scripture we're going to look at in this is Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Now I want you to read this with me. And like you mean it, like it's true, like it's what you're going, that you have no defense, you have no insurance, you have no fence, you have no, uh, 
You have no government. You're just living in a, in a, in a Viking era of some kind, and you're just out there in the field, and Vikings are on the coast, and they're coming inland, and there is no defense, there's no hope, there's just a million of them, and there's three of you, and yet, and yet, you can say this with a confidence. Read it with me. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Let's stop there. I will say of the Lord. So we got to stop and say of the Lord. So just like we took communion this morning, we stop and say of the Lord. We remember before the trouble comes in, before the, 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 the tribulation shows up, we remember who we are in Him. We establish ourselves. Just reminding yourself, you're something else, and there's no weapon that's formed against you that can prosper. Just reminding yourself, there'll be more for you than there are against you. Remember that today. No matter what shows up and looks like a gazillion things, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. you got to say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. When trouble comes and I'm Tempted to be not trust in him, I will trust in him. Let's go on, verse 3. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Let's stop there and say with me, it shall not come nigh me. Shall not. Shall not. Shall not. It's a weapon that's formed, so you've seen what, what it is, what it looks like, the potential on anybody. But it shall not come nigh me. It shall not. Nigh means even around. Shall not. You're indestructible. You are indestructible. Let's go on. Of course, if you was going to do this, you would read it in first person, but we're just going to read the scripture here. Verse 8. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways." They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. Stop. We submit ourselves therefore to God. We put our love upon him. God says, therefore I will deliver him. I will deliver him. 
Now, these are absolutes. He didn't say, you know, unless he's done the unpardonable, unless he's gone too long, too far, too, I will deliver him. Say it with me. He will deliver me. Let's go on. Will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Look, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. The word is good. You don't have anything but the word. You may think you can lock yourself up as a prepper and store up green beans and 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 uh, dried corn. You may put you may change everything over to gold and put it in the basement or hide it in the woods. You may you may have you can do it all, and they are. But there is nothing that will keep you. There's nothing. The Bible says the wiles of the devil. He sees what these preppers are doing, and he just undoes them. But we're just going about ministering, wide open, full out, and we're protected and delivered. I want to tell you, cancer is a lie against our lives. I want to tell you that these diseases that are getting so much, we watched TV the other night, and bang, bang, there was medicines for diseases I'd never heard of. You know, and then they read the side effects, and we go, "Dear Lord, I, I'll tell you, I, you know, I, could it be worse than than?" And you just know we're in a fearful society that's looking to fix everything before it comes and as it comes, and we don't have time for that. I'm telling you, we don't have time to make all the money we need. We don't have time to uh, to prepare for all the the life we need. We have to go to the Word of God and say, I'm going to believe the promises. You got all these angels standing around, Lord, lest I dash my foot against a stone. I'm so excited about the Word, y'all. You ought to be excited that you can relax and win and live a victorious life because the Word's working for you. It's 24-7, and it's got every circumstance under control. Let's stand up this morning. You've been so wonderful today. I appreciate you letting me minister this word because it's making you Jesus strong. And I'm telling you, there's a day that'll come. Maybe not today or tomorrow. There's a day that'll come that this word this morning will be a, a, a trigger for you that says, I'm going to pull that trigger and believe God, and it's going to set you on high. Amen. Anybody in here want to be Jesus strong? Praise God. Lord, I pray I release the life of God into these that have heard your word. And we take authority over fear. We take authority over fear. We take authority over fear and unbelief. We'll have neither of them in our lives because we have chosen to be strong and of a good courage. Lord, these saints, these disciples, these, this army of God, is turning Tuscaloosa upside down. Lord, the word that is in our mouth is coming out like a two-edged sword. And Lord, it cuts asunder every trouble. I thank you for Holy Ghost that is guiding and setting our course. And you, Lord, we give you all praise and all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woohoo! Praise God. I want you to. Praise God. Let's get her a microphone. We want this. Yeah, but I want to record it. Turned it off.
Now, tell us. Oh, okay. Um, What you talked about today really went along with something that happened to me last Sunday. I just want to say that God has a solution for your problem before you even know you have a problem. Um, Last Sunday afternoon, Matthew and I decided to take our dog Gracie over to Riverwalk because it was a lovely afternoon. It It was was. really pretty. So we decided to take her for a walk, and so we got out of the car. And I've got on these shorts, and they had, like, deep pockets, and so I put, like, keys and... My, my phone in a pocket and load the other side up with dog treats and stuff. And so we go off for a walk and we get about half a mile. And of course, at this point, Matthew is whining. And so, so we stop and take a little break. And so we stand up and we walk off. And I thought, oh, my phone. I must have dropped my phone when we sat down. So we went back and looked and my phone wasn't there. And I thought, oh. And so we quickly make our way back, retrace our steps, and there's no phone. I looked everywhere. And so we get to the car and I'm like, okay, maybe I dropped it. You know, as we left the car, so we look under the car, we look everywhere, there is no phone. And if you're like me, I've got like my entire world stored in my phone. And so I put Matthew in the car and I put the dog in the car and I thought, okay, I'm going to go walk again. I'm going to look again. And so I walked and I got to a certain point and something said, turn around and go back to the car. So I went back to the car. It still wasn't there. And so I got in the car and put the key in the ignition and I said, you know, the whole time I've been saying, Lord, please help me find the phone. Please help me find my phone. I don't want to go home and tell Barry I lost my phone. And <laughs> truly. So, truly. And so I was sitting there and I was saying, Lord, I know you've got my phone somewhere. And this girl knocks on the, on the window and I open the, the window and she said, are you Melissa Smith? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, I think we have your phone. And I said, where, where is it? <laughs> and so she walked, she was a teenager and she, she took me over to where her mother was. And um, my phone has a thing where you can put like cards and stuff in the side, it folds over. And so my university, Mississippi University for Women ID was in there and it had my name on it. And um, they had picked it up a while back apparently. And before I even knew I lost the phone, God had somebody pick my phone up. She had already texted, I mean, sent me a message, um, email, and left a message at work to let me know she had it. And her daughter saw me walk by. And that is an old ID, and I had shorter hair then. Her mom was like, I don't think that's her. But I had on an MUW t-shirt, and she said, that's got to be her. And so they saw me that time when I, I felt like I should go back to the car. That's when they saw me walk by. And so they gave me the phone. And so I had my phone back, and I was so appreciative. And I said, I'm so glad that God got you to pick up my phone. Amen. Because he picked it up. They picked it up before I knew it was gone. And so we're in the car, and I'm just thanking God for it. And Matthew says, and all the wisdom of a child, you should have been thanking him before they gave you the phone back. <laughs> and I yeah. said, you're right. I should have been. Amen. But he had a solution before I knew I had a problem. That's awesome. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's a good word. Anyone else? We are the people that have the victory. And people want to hear it. And so we should tell them. We should demonstrate it. Jonathan, you have anything to share with us this morning? What's God doing and saying? He's raising up another disciple, y'all. Amen. Anybody need prayer this morning for anything? Okay. Eric, dismiss us, if you would, please. Amen. Thank you. Amen. All right.
No worship night tonight. That's been canceled.